0: Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVone, and this is a happy, hippie place for talking all things magic, witches and fiction, and creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. Hi! Thanks for joining me for episode 402 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and All That Good Shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevo.com, or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio where you will also find a link to today's magical guest, tarot reader, author Liz Worth, who I've actually had on the show already. So I got to have Liz on twice and this interview is not only spectacular because Liz is spectacular but it was also very hard one i'm extremely proud of the final product and i'll explain to you why in a minute but first i have to thank the amazing people supporting the podcast over on patreon specifically new patrons nan mokai nan denise schultz amy And Laura Smith, thank you so much for helping me keep the lights on and the food in the fridge. I appreciate you all, and I hope you are loving the content over there. You can go as far back into the archives as you want. And please do hook up your Patreon account with Discord if you want to participate in the live chats that are going on over there. I myself show up most weekday mornings and hang out from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., depending on the day. Sometimes I'm just in there for like 30 minutes, but almost every weekday morning I just like to say, hey, have a good day, find out who's having a baby, who had a successful magic spell, <laughs> who's buying a new car. Something's always going on. And there's a book club over there, which is really cool. Phoebe Phoebe Miller has been leading that, and the book 4 June is Chocolat, which is perfect because we got to have Joanne Harris on the podcast this year. And today, today, as I already mentioned, Liz Worth is on the show. So let me tell you why I'm very, very proud of how this turned out, even though it is not at all perfect. It's 7 o'clock at night right now. I have pushed through so much frustration to get to this point and I'm not gonna stop I'm gonna keep going I'm gonna get this thing live before I go to bed tonight which is not optimal it's not if you have a podcast FYI you want to post in the morning maybe in the afternoon but definitely not at night It's it's not not good for the algorithms, but whatever, whatever. Now it's just a matter of seeing this thing through to the end because it has been an editing nightmare, which has nothing to do with Liz at all. But after we did the interview and I went to listen back, It sounded like (laughs) we were standing in a windstorm. So have you ever tried to, like, shoot video on your camera, on your phone, in wind, and you think you got some awesome footage, and then you go to listen back, and it's like (laughs) It's like that. It was like that. It was like that. You're going to listen to this thing, and you're going to be amazed. (laughs) If you believe what I'm saying to you right now I literally made maybe 800 cuts I mean every little pop and that I could I cut and sometimes that would be like Eight times in the same sentence And I don't know why the number eight is sticking out in my head But it is for some reason And, and then some parts I had to just remove like whole sentences Just because it was just It was a windstorm It was a monstrous windstorm For no reason. It was an inexplicable, mysterious windstorm that we were not aware of as we were recording. So I think it turned out pretty great. Pretty great. (laughs) That's how I feel about it. And we talk about her new book, The Power of Tarot. But we also talk about her rescue chihuahua, Tito. And the personal significance of her many tattoos and her take on magic, which I always find super interesting. And I love that her approach in all things magical, but particularly Tarot, is to point you toward your own innate power and to encourage you to develop your own techniques and to take full responsibility for your spiritual development. So... This is that. This is that. I I was going to sit here and ramble all about the skunk. The skunk that woke me up this morning. My bedroom filled with skunk fumes. And that was my alarm this morning. I woke up with my eyes and throat burning. (laughs) And the heavy stench of skunk butt in the air and like I said, it's seven o'clock right now. I went, the the office I'm in right now recording this, I went to close the door between this office and my bedroom and it still reeks in there. So I think it's safe to assume that the skunk like sprayed the wall behind my bed or something. So I might have to sleep on the couch tonight. So this whole day has been a challenge, but I made it. I'm still in a good mood and I get to share this kick-ass interview with you right now, so I hope you enjoy it. Without any further ado, here she is, Liz Worth. Hi, Liz. Welcome back to Hippie Witch. Hey, thanks so much. I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to have you back and find out like what's changed since the last time I spoke with you here. Oh, I wasn't expecting that question. What has changed? <laughs> well, did I, did I imagine this? Am I confused? Were you thinking about moving to Los Angeles, or did you move to Los Angeles and then you moved away? Because I was thinking, oh, I'm going to talk to Liz. We totally need to set up a lunch date. And yeah. I checked, and I was like, wait a minute, she's in Toronto.
1: Yeah, I'm still in Toronto. Uh, we haven't moved, but we still we still talk about it. You know, it's uh, my partner works in film, and so. He is very interested in LA. Uh so it's it's always this option that's on the table. But obviously we haven't made any moves or any decisions yet. We're still in Toronto, but we did get a dog. So that's our news.
0: You had a fur yeah. baby. You got a fur exactly. baby. Exactly. You got a little <laughs> <baby>. <laughs> What kind of dog did you get? It's a chihuahua. He's really cute. So you to me, you look like you give me a little bit of Joan Jet vibes. You have this whole badass thing. So I thought you were going to be like, we got a Rottweiler or a pitbull. And you're like, we kind of chihuahua. Yeah. I love I mean, I love
1: all kinds of animals but i love little dogs he just came into our life kind of randomly and we wanted a dog so the timing just worked out really really well but yeah he just kind of magically appeared one
0: day if you ever move to la he will be very happy because we have dog culture here you probably do in toronto too dog cultures everywhere but we have some good parks
1: Totally. I think L.A. weather is more my dog's speed. He hates wind. He hates rain. He's not into the winter. Well, at he's all. a
0: Mexican. You're up in Canada. Totally. Yeah. He's <laughs> like he is living
1: for summer. We've had a very cold spring so far. So, you know, he's he's really waiting. But I think if he ended up in California, he would really be
0: very, very happy. You'd get to see him at his best self. What's his name?
1: His name is Tito. He came from a home where he they they spoke Spanish and they had trained him in Spanish. And so when we got him, he didn't understand any commands in English and, um, we are not Spanish speakers. So there's been a little bit of a, a learning curve for all of us to get to know each other a
0: bit, but it's been good. It's I've been literally good. never yeah. had that thought before. I mean, it's compl- it completely makes sense, but like, yeah, if an animal comes from a Spanish speaking home to an English speaking home, oh, poor buddy. See, totally come to LA Tito. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Your people are here. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, totally yeah so we got him and, and they had already named him Tito and we're, you know he's three and a half so I was like you know why change his name this is his name he knows it you know it's who he is so mm. that's how that is too so yeah but I, I a lot of my animals have been rescues we have a cat as well and you know she came with her own name already and um so we kept that too and I just I don't know that's how I do it I don't yeah. I don't try to change who they are <laughs> oh you're such a yeah.
0: good such a good fur baby mom and (laughs) and i i know like most of the people listening right now are down with the rescue animals there's so many there's so many there's so So many we have a law here now i think throughout all of california that that you cannot buy an animal in a pet store That's done. (laughs) Yeah, I think that there are some similar... I don't know if there are laws here, but I know that a lot of the pet stores that
1: used to be around in the 80s and 90s are no longer. Uh, So yeah, I think that that's definitely a a trend. They're also not declawing cats in some places in Canada
0: anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So since we're talking about personal stuff here, before we get started talking about Tarot, I wanted to ask you about your tattoos because both your arms, you you have, I don't know how much of... What else on you is covered with tattoos, but you have many, many tattoos on your arms and you often show them off on Instagram and with muscle T-shirts, which I think that and your hair, the muscle T-shirts and the hair and the tattoos, that's what's given me the Joan Jett kind of vibe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so what are you wondering about them? What's the story? Clearly, you have a thing about tattoos.
1: I've always been getting tattooed. I started getting tattooed when I was 17. So I'm two decades into the process at this point. And I think it was just going to happen. You know, when I was a kid, I used to draw all over myself and stuff. And um, I just I, I'm really interested in, in the fact that we can change how we look. You know, we can change our bodies I don't think that people should feel any you know, shame or stigma if they make the choice to alter their appearance in any way, right? Whether it's through cosmetic surgery, whether they're really into going to the gym and working out and modifying their body that way, you know, we have, we have the, the capacity to do it. Right. And if you feel like that's what makes you happy and that's how you want to express yourself, then by all means go for it. Right. It's, it's, Your body. For me, I've always found it odd. And I understand that there can be many reasons as to how people come to the conclusion that they don't feel it's right to mark their bodies. But I always thought it was odd that we don't have say over that. You know, that some people don't feel like they have the autonomy over their physical selves to be able to make the decision as to whether or not they want to put a piece of art on their skin. Yeah. Right. Well and, and also
0: people used to and I'm sure in many parts of the world they still do like tattoo you as a piece of like livestock in a way. And right. so it's an interesting way of claiming your power, I think.
1: And, and that's totally what it, what part of it is for me. You know, it, it's it's that I think tattoos can be an act of, of personal reclamation if you want them to be. But at the same time, I don't think that they have to be a political act either. You know, I think it's totally fine to get tattoos if you just like the aesthetic. Go for it. Right. Um, get tattoos for whatever reason you want to, as long as you want to. Uh, don't do it because you think that you're supposed to either, because that's not the point of it. Right. Um, no. And, and no, you know. <laughs> And I don't think the point of it is to either, you know, be rebellious or, or try to to stand out from the crowd. You know, sometimes I think people misconstrue the idea that, that anyone with a tattoo is trying to deliberately set themselves apart. And I think that's kind of silly. You know, that's a silly assumption to make that people are going around, you know, investing Uh, their ideas and investing in in tattoo artists and investing the time it takes to get a really good tattoo just so that they can kind of say oh look I'm different than you right like there are so many other ways that we can set ourselves apart Um, it's it's not so superficial as that
0: for me the piece that feels badass is the ownership of your past and your life. And because when I think about getting a tattoo, I immediately think, hell no, because I change my mind so often. Like, I just can envision myself being like, I want a dragon. And then six months later being like, I hate dragons. Why did I get a dragon? (laughs) And I think, like, when you have a moment tattoo, whether you're commemorating an accomplishment or marking a a passage in your life, you're in a way like taking that with you and you're owning it. And you're saying like, this is who I was. This is part Mm -hmm. of my journey and I'm taking it with me. I think there's something innately badass about that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think too, recognizing that, decision-making ability is also really important because that's something that I find is a, a strong thread with people who will tell me they really want tattoos but they can never decide what they want and and it's like, that's, you need to know that about yourself. And yeah. you, you totally need to know that if you change your mind a lot, um, tattoos are probably not the thing for you. And that's okay. Cause again, there are going to be other things that are for you that you can do. But I, you know, I, I, it's funny. I'm always moving forward. I, I find that I'm really good at creating change and initiating things in my life. But when it comes to my appearance, I'm pretty consistent. You know, I have, I have things that will come across. Like, uh, the other day I came across this little photo ID from my high school and I had dyed black hair and I was wearing this giant silver bat necklace. That's like six inches wide. <laughs> right. This huge. You know, this huge silver bat and I was all dressed in black and I looked at that and I thought, huh, you know, I still have black hair. I still have that bat necklace and I still bust it out sometimes. That was my next question. Yeah.
0: Please tell me you didn't get rid of the bat <laughs> necklace.
1: No, so that, you know, so like for me, that the consistency is, is there and, and I, you know, yeah, I have a lot of tattoos, but I don't really think about them either. You know, they just became part of my body when I got them and, and it's not like I look at them and, and say, oh, you know, why did I get that? Or maybe, you know, I mean, maybe some of them I wouldn't necessarily choose to get now, but I don't really think about them that much. You know, they're just there.
0: It makes sense when I heard you say you used to draw on yourself and I think about, what your career is based on. It's based on imagery. It's based on the power of an image because you are a tarot reader. You write about the tarot. It it makes sense to me that you would be into that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the, the images that I have on my body have some kind of spiritual connection for me as well. Right. So, so that's another way of tapping into some of that power.
0: Can you give us an example of that? yeah totally i have one of
1: my favorite tattoos is this um it, it's a it's it's actually from a tarot card uh, it's from the barbara walker tarot deck and for anyone who isn't familiar with that deck it's really really witchy it has a whole bunch of different goddesses in it and um, there's one image that she put in there of this uh, this witch who's who's basically performing a spell in a stonehenge type structure and i've been obsessed with Stonehenge since i was a kid right i always want to go to stonehenge i've been a couple times in my life that was a, a lifelong dream for me from when i was 8 years old right so when i saw this image i was like oh this is this is what i want to be <laughs> Ah. You know, this, uh, you know, this powerful woman in the center of Stonehenge. So, um, so that's, you know, that's a tattoo that when I look at that, it's like, it connects me to my past, right? It connects me to some, you know, some nostalgia from my childhood and, and the, you know, the mythology that really inspired me at the time, but it's still really relevant to who I am now as well. And it reminds me of how I've, you know, I've shaped myself over the years too, through my own interests.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I can't remember if I asked you this last time. Do you consider yourself a witch?
1: I can't remember if we talked about this either. I, you know, um, I think for all intents and purposes, I do. Sometimes I'm not always a hundred percent sure about the word "witch," but I'm not against it. You know, I just, I just sometimes have this hesitation where I think, is that the right word for me? And I think it's the right word in the way that it allows us to understand each other, right? When we say "witch," right? That, that you know, there's there's an implication of being empowered through, uh, through perhaps magical practices through through different types of spiritual practices than what we might see in the mainstream. And I certainly do a lot of magic in my life and and have for a very, very long time. Um, You know, that's a big part of my my spiritual practice. And I do a lot of personal rituals for myself just to stay aligned with some of the rhythms that we move through month after month and year after year with the change in seasons and the cycles of the moon. So, you know, for people who consider that to be witchcraft, then, yeah, that is what I Deal.
0: That's interesting. I actually go back and forth with the word witch myself because I've so thoroughly labeled myself that way publicly <laughs> that I I find I'm constantly like, what does this mean? What does it mean to other people? What does it mean to me? But what you said about using magic to align yourself with the seasons and the phases of the moon Am I understanding you in that you're using magic to align yourself with what is, and you're not using it as a manifestation tool, or is it both?
1: Oh, that's a good distinction. You know, I I use it for both, but I try to align my manifestations with the energies that I feel are most available at that time. So, for example, if we are working with, say, a Gemini New Moon, right, then I'm going to think about what are the things I want to be saying right now? How do I want my voice to be heard? What are some projects that perhaps I'm working on that really make me flex my muscle as a writer? Are there new ideas I want to bring into the world through a book or a class, right? So I would be thinking about that, whereas... There may be other things I want to manifest that might not have so much to do with my voice or with my writing. You know, maybe I want to develop a a deeper connection with my partner or deeper friendships. I might look to a different time of the year to focus more on manifesting those things, knowing, though, that, you know, again, I have control over it, right? And it doesn't mean I can't do those things if the moon isn't totally right, but that if I'm going to make a little ritual for myself, then, yeah, I'm going to try to align it around some special times of year where I know that the power may be more supportive for those things.
0: It's a nice way to navigate the all the things Mm -hmm. situation that we find ourselves in. You're like, I want this and I want this and I want this and I want this. And it kind of has this like it's all in good time vibe to it. You know, like the time using the law of divine timing. I just had Abiola Abrams on the show and she was talking about that. And I like that. We can use the seasons or astrology or the phases of the moon to check in and say, well, what is divine timing right now? I think you can totally. do that intuitively. You can do that just by looking at what is in your life. And then, of course, so many so many witchy people do it using these tools.
1: Absolutely. And, and it's also helpful when you're wondering, why aren't things happening right now? You know, for, for example, I find that when we move into Aries season, uh, which is spring here in the northern hemisphere, or really early spring, right, I find that certain things actually slow down a little bit and we think like it's Aries, it's fire, it's going to move fast, but it's also the beginning of a new cycle. Astrologically, we're right at the beginning of the zodiac all over again. And so for me, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, why, you know, why don't I have as many clients booking appointments or you know, why don't I have as many people, um, coming to my classes right now. Right. And I remind myself it's because we're at the start of something new. So we're all kind of back into this little seed or acorn phase. Mm -hmm. And then as the spring moves on, things shift and things start to pick up again, right. Because we're moving into deeper energies that really allow more for growth to take place. So it's also a good reminder for us sometimes to check in if we're worried about, you know, how a business is going or how a project is going or we're wondering, why aren't things happening as fast as I want them to? You know, as you're saying, there is this divine timing there and there are these ebbs and flows that we can tap into. And those are really there for us too as reminders to say, you know what, you're not always supposed to be pushing forward. You're not always supposed to be busy. It's totally fine if you take the hint and you relax right now too, because everybody else is relaxing.
0: Yeah. Well, that's easier said than done. When you run your Uh own business and you have to (laughs) pay your bills, you can't be like, I'm taking it easy in May. It takes a special, I would say a spiritual maturity to not freak out and to realize that there's actually creative energy in pulling back that you can get into a more receptive space for example, and that that is creative too. I'm not, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just, I'm just adding, I'm adding some ideas.
1: (laughs) I totally, I totally agree. Yeah. And, And I just say this again, just to, you know, to sometimes be mindful of that, again, that timing, right? That, that there will be times for busyness and there will be times for, for shifting gears or, or pulling back. And, and it doesn't mean you don't have to do anything at all, but just think about what kind of perspective can I bring to this right now? Right. Or how can I use this time Instead of yeah, instead of like you said, you know, freaking out. Yeah. yeah. So also just being more proactive about again how are we aligning with these energies to to the best of our ability so that we're working with what's available to support us rather than expecting other things to show up that may not be ready yet.
0: Yes. Okay, so you run your own business. You were talking about yeah. classes and doing readings, so you're still doing one on one readings.
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: And do you do those Online? Do you do those in person or both? I do both. Yeah, I do both. I uh, I have a space here in
1: Toronto where people can come to see me in person, but uh, you know. I, I always tell people like don't feel like you have to do readings in person sometimes people will ask and i don't know if you you get this from from people in in anything uh that you do but sometimes people will say is the energy better you know if we're in person or if i you know if i get a reading face-to-face versus getting a reading online over skype or something and i always tell people no if that has nothing to do with the ability to connect right because so much of it is about The communication that happens between two people, it has nothing to do with the technology. We should be taking advantage of this technology that we have that allows us to have readings from people all around the world, you know? You're not limited just to to working with someone within your city.
0: Yes, I've had a couple, I just do coaching, I don't do readings for people, but I've had a couple of people who want me to show up on camera, and I sometimes I'll just pop in and be like, hello, here I am, just so they can see I have a face, but I like kind of being anonymous and just carefully, carefully listening And it helps me to not be on camera and to just listen. I lose awareness of myself and it helps me tap into them. I know everybody's different, but that's how it works for me. I like just listening and really hearing what the person is saying.
1: Wow. Yeah, I I love that. Right. And I think that that's something if there are. If there are readers out there who are wondering if if they can get something going for themselves online, they should listen to what you're saying because you know that can translate over into any type of practice, really, whether it's it's coaching or divination or anything else, right? Giving yourself the opportunity to just listen is so key.
0: yeah, and know thyself. And I think your book, the last book we talked about is going beyond the Little White book, which was. A good, like a fleshing out of, I think, what people tend to associate the tarot with just right off the face of it. Like what all the little white books have to say. Like I feel like you really expanded on that. And then with the power of tarot, to me, it's a book that's still very much about something that beginners could access, but that you're just expanding it at another level. Yeah,
1: I wanted it to be for beginners for sure, but I think that there's a lot that that readers of all levels can get out of it, because we don't always spend a lot of time in tarot talking about kind of that that in between stage of things. Where do we where do we move from being beginners to being uh, intermediate readers? Where do we move from being intermediate readers to being advanced or pro readers? Right, and and sometimes there you know we can be in the beginner stage with tarot for years. And, and so there isn't necessarily a, a way to always fast track our, our skills or our knowledge. And so this book really came... About Because I noticed for me, you know, when I when I would teach my tarot classes, that there were a lot of questions that would come from from people who had all ranges of experience. You know, some people would have just gotten their first tarot deck and they would sometimes have the same questions that people who'd been using tarot for two or three years would have. And and so I really wanted to kind of have something that doesn't just talk about the card meanings, but that helps you think about tarot and helps you ask questions around developing your own belief systems, getting really clear in what you uh, what you think is out there when it comes to fate versus free will, and also talking about you know some of the main types of readings we tend to do with tarot, like love and relationships and career and certain considerations that we have to have around those things. And especially around determining what's actually possible for us to answer with tarot, because I don't think that tarot can answer absolutely everything. I don't think that anything has all the answers. So it's so really allowing ourselves to get super clear about what tarot can and can't do Uh, I think is an important part of the process of learning tarot. It's not just about memorizing card meanings. It's not just about learning some tarot spreads and away you go, right? There's a a thought process that you need in place and you need to develop your own philosophies around it.
0: Yes. I, I love that it's called the power of tarot, but what you consistently do throughout the book is, I don't want to say introduce, but you are constantly acknowledging the person that's reading the book their power and and putting it back in their court that you have the power and the power is in you and you've really encouraged them to really go their own way yeah, absolutely. It's really important for me to
1: get people thinking. That's my thing. Okay. I think that if if you can give yourself permission to think for yourself and come to your own conclusions and develop your own beliefs then you are really starting to come into your power. And that also gives you the ability to start to to come into a sense of mastery with what you're doing, too. Because you're not just regurgitating someone else's knowledge, right? We all have to earn our own knowledge along the way, whether we're working with tarot or any other type of spiritual tool or really anything in life, right? And we can pass that knowledge on to each other and we can share that but it doesn't really mean anything until you make it yours and the only way you can make it yours is to decide what it means for you and how you're going to use it
0: yeah I think the temptation for some people when they're new to hiring a tarot reader not even reading for themselves but actually hiring someone to read cards for them is to or or a a psychic or an astrologer it's to give your power away like just to collapse at the feet of the so-called expert and say here do this for me (laughs) and and i know that that you are hiring an expert for their expertise, but I love that you keep putting the responsibility and the power back in the hands of the Quarant, saying things like We are all experts in you know, of our own realities. Oh yeah, that's a big one for me. And I'm really glad that
1: you brought that up because I'm, I'm always so surprised when people come to me for readings and they expect me to know more about their, their life than they do. And no one should ever know more about your own life than you do. Well, I don't even know why you'd want that. I don't understand that, but I I know where it comes from. And it comes from these long held messages and misconceptions around tarot and, and other types of intuitive readings as being some kind of pathway to omniscience, right? Um, we look at people who do any type of psychic service and we assume that they have these godlike powers and they can see the past and the present and the future so clearly. And they're going to tell you exactly what happens to you. And, and you know, it makes me wonder, sometimes, you know, didn't you book this appointment yourself, right? You chose to come here. You decided to hire a tarot reader, right? You made all of these choices to get here, but then you walk in and you sit down and you assume that there's nothing else for you to do. You're just going to find out what your future is. And from there, you don't have any other work going on. And it's like, this doesn't work like that,
0: you know? Yep. I think a, a great reader of any kind can help you get clear on what you already know. Yes,
1: yes, absolutely. And and I think that's sometimes why people can get a little bit uncomfortable with readings as well, because it really does put that responsi- responsibility back on them, uh, where they have to say, okay, you know what? I do know this, right? Uh, I know what I need to do. And sometimes they may not be quite ready to do that yet, but I think a compassionate reader can also give the encouragement and the confidence to that person to just accept it and and to really take ownership over what they are able to move forward at that time. Mm
0: -hmm. My favorite chapter is the, I think it's the last chapter. You're talking Mm -hmm. in the book about discernment which was it's one of my favorite favorite words ever Mm. and and you it starts in a very sassy way you're saying like you know the key to being a good tarot reader is not it's not about intuition it's not about psychic ability it's not about technique or your super creative interpretations it's truly about discernment. And I was wondering if you could expand on that a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I think that discernment is another one of those things that we don't spend enough time talking about when we're learning tarot or teaching tarot. And and it's also, you know, it's not that sexy. It's about having good judgment. And that can be sometimes really boring to talk about. And when we do tarot, you know, we do want the fireworks, right? We want those spiritual, magical moments where everything is so synchronous and it lines up perfectly. And those things can happen. But we also really need to balance out our judgment in terms of when are those things happening? How likely is it? And also, what are we really doing here? Who are we here to serve? What do we feel uh, we can do with tarot? And what are the limitations of it, right? All of those things will fall under your capacity for discernment within this practice. And if you're not clear on what your boundaries are or what the, the scope or skills are that you're able to offer within your work, Whether you're reading professionally or not, you will probably struggle to feel really grounded with tarot. And and so I think just allowing yourself to develop good judgment around the questions you're asking, the questions that you're allowing for, and, and also remembering that it's okay to bring a dose of reality and practicality into tarot that will take you a lot further with this.
0: Another thing you said about discernment in the book that kind of blew my hair back a little bit, you were talking about the difference between faith and gullibility. And you were saying Mm. gullibility is a side effect when you lack discernment. And I was like yelling out loud, like, (laughs) yeah! I think a lot about faith. Faith has been on my mind a lot this year. And I also am a person who does not like, I don't like to ever be gullible or come off as being gullible it's like a a sensitive spot I've been called gullible in the past so when I read that bit of the book I was like oh this is
1: really good. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I mean, I think, again, that's so important, you know, for people who are also seeking readings, right? But people who are giving readings too, you know, whether you're doing this in a professional capacity or you're reading for friends or anything like that, it's you know, being mindful that sometimes people will come for readings and they will expect to believe everything a reader tells them. And that's, you know, yes, there's responsibility in that, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we should encourage people to believe that. Yeah. Right? Um, So knowing that people could be taking you very, very seriously means you should take tarot very seriously, but it also means that it's totally fine to admit that, hey, tarot is not infallible. Tarot readers can be wrong. A reading may not be the be all end all answer for you. And, and to really, again, allow people to be grounded and practical and to do a little check-in with reality. I think that that way readings actually become very powerful because, again, it allows people to uh, to really get clear about what is making sense for them in that moment and what is their intuition telling them about a situation, too. If something sounds too good to be true, you know, if a, if a tarot reader is out there telling you that you're going to win the lottery within a week and you're going to marry the person of your dreams within two weeks and all of a sudden everything is going to fall together perfectly and you don't play the lottery and you're not looking to fall in love right now, right? Then you may think to yourself, I don't know if that sounds like me. Yeah. And that is totally fine. It's totally fine to, to determine what sounds like it is, uh, making the most sense to you.
0: Do you have any tips for how, a can compose themselves to to get the most out of a reading that they're paying for? Or do you help do yeah. you help your querents with that at all?
1: Totally. I mean, I think I think that, you know, readers can can be very hopefully hopefully when you are seeking out a reading, you're taking some time. If you're going to be a client, you're taking some time to actually Research the person that you're booking a reading with. I think one of the biggest mistakes that customers make in this industry is that they assume that all tarot readings are the same and all tarot readers operate in the same way. And they don't. Everyone has their own style. Everyone has their own approach. Some people do very predictive readings. Some people do sell themselves as psychics. Others may see themselves more as spiritual counselors. Uh, Some people create readings that are very collaborative with their clients, and so they may ask their clients a lot of questions uh, in order to do that so that they can really put their clients within that capacity to be empowered. You know, all of those things are going to be really, really important in determining what kind of experience you're going to have with a tarot reader. And if you are looking for something that is very predictive, but you go to a reader, who has a very, um, maybe collaborative or counseling style of reading, then you may be disappointed in what you get because they're not going to deliver those predictions for you. Does it mean that they're bad at what they do? No, but you might walk out of there thinking that they are, Mm -hmm. and that's not fair. So you really have to make sure that you are taking the time to look at, at who you're booking time with before you make that appointment.
0: So what kind of person do you like reading for? What kind of person do you feel like you can best serve? Yeah, a lot of the people who come to me for readings are
1: people who 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 like to be creative in their lives. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're working as artists or creative people, but that they have um, some degree of creativity in how they approach their life. They, they like to make their own decisions, they like to have plans, they set goals. They're ambitious, they're trying to get from one place to another, or they're realizing that they're stuck in some kind of rut and they're ready to figure out what their next steps are to get out of that rut.
0: What do you find you've been able to help people with or provide through Tarot? I
1: think, you know, I think that Tarot can help with so many things. And and it's funny, I'm I'm pretty open as to the range of questions that I will take with tarot when people come to sit down and for a reading with me. You know, I've helped, um, you know, one of my, one of my most unexpected tarot questions came when I uh, was reading tarot at a store that I worked in for a couple years as their resident reader. And a woman sat down in front of me and she said that she had bought a car It was a lemon, she said, and she had taken it to, I think, a few mechanics already. No one could figure out what was wrong with it. The insurance wasn't coming through on it. So she needed to figure something out. So, you know, so she was like, I just need to know what to do. I don't really want to spend more money on it, but I think I'll have to. What should I do? Right. And so we did a reading on that, you know, and it it was actually really helpful for her. Um, It did tell her things that she was already kind of expecting to hear, but it it gave her confirmation around the direction to go in. So great. So we can come and we can talk about your car troubles, right? Uh, If you just need some practical advice, that's totally cool with me. But we can also talk about a lot of other things, you know, um, your ambition your creative projects. You know, I've talked to people about how did they write the novel that they've been trying to, to get started. I've talked to people about how to transition their careers, how to transition into entrepreneurship, um, how to transition in and out of relationships, right? How to heal uh, wounds that they have around love and friendships and how to get comfortable living in a new city. So, you know, I think that tarot can be very adaptable, In terms of the things that we're bringing to it. But I'm also mindful, again, as I said earlier, that tarot also can't answer everything. So I also think we need to be clear that tarot isn't a replacement for certain things, right? It's not a replacement for therapy, for example. It may not give you every single step you need to take if you are looking around questions that that may require some, some hard work on your part, right? But it might be something that gets you started. Um, But again, I do think people should be mindful around, is this right for me, depending on what I need? Can it help me? Or do I need to go speak to someone else? You know, I would say if you're really worried, for example, about your health, I'm probably not the right person. To talk to you if you haven't spoken to your doctor, for example, right, or another medical professional, I would say, you know, those are the people that you really want to start with. Yeah. Right. Um, if you feel like you need some spiritual guidance on top of that to navigate some health problems, then tarot may be brought in as an added support. But again, it's not a replacement for things and you still have to be really careful around who you're who you're engaging with those questions right because again not all tarot readers may be comfortable or capable of answering everything
0: do you ever or have you ever kept information that's revealed in a reading from the person you're reading for Oh, that's an interesting question. You know, with me, I try,
1: you know, my, my thing is like, I'll just tell you what is in the cards. Right. And a lot of people I find really want to hear it all. You know, they'll say, tell me, even if it's really bad, yeah. I just I just want to know. But I find I have the, the opposite problem where sometimes people want more details. They want things that again, tarot can't necess- necessarily provide for them. Like, the names of, of people who are going to enter their lives within the next year or, or the date when they're going to meet their soulmate, for example, or get married or something. And again, you know, I think that's, that, that comes back to that idea of discernment, right? What is possible here? What may be unrealistic in our expectations sometimes? Um, And, and also belief systems, right? Does the universe arrange relationships for us in advance? I don't believe that it does. So I may not be the right tarot reader to come with a question around when will I meet my soulmate if you're looking for a specific day, for example. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people want those really nitty gritty details that, yeah, again, tarot isn't going to give you that necessarily. But I also think it's, you know, sometimes it's it's a good sign to, right? People want more. It means they're enjoying the experience. But sometimes there also needs to be um, some communication around what the expectations are that Uh, in regards to what a tarot reading can actually provide
0: so you're probably coming off that whole conversation I'm thinking you're very practical and Mm -hmm. down to earth and maybe the question I'm about to ask (laughs) is not the right one but I'm gonna ask it anyway Yeah. what has been your most or just any like really memorable, spooky, exciting, thrilling reading that you've given over the years? Have you had an experience that really just kind of blew you away?
1: Oh, totally. I mean, the thing is, yeah, you're right. I am really practical in in how I use tarot. But I also really do believe that life is very magical, right? And I think one of the reasons why I, I spend so much time talking about the practicalities of things is that I, I'm always mindful that we're never divorced from that magic. We're never divorced from spirit. Uh, we, you know, we have multiple realities happening simultaneously, right? And so. I just, you know, I, I focus a lot on the practicality because I say, you know, sometimes the magic that you're looking for in your life are those spiritual moments. They're unfolding all the time, but they don't always look magical. Right. Sometimes it is just, you know, it, it is the everyday Monday and stuff. And we have to celebrate that as much as we do those spooky, uncanny events. Yeah. Right. I still so, want to
0: know if you have a good juicy one. Absolutely.
1: So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I have had many, uh, many things like that. One that that often comes to mind is I was reading tarot at a New Year's event at a hotel here in Toronto, downtown. And it was late. It was it was probably around 1 a.m. I'd done another party at another one of their locations earlier that night. And I was reading for the last person for the evening. And it's New Year's Eve, right? Which is not, you know, to be honest, at a, at a party in a bar, it's not the most conducive place to have a, a tarot reading necessarily. It's pretty challenging to work in. Uh, for anyone who's done it, you'll know what I mean, right? It's loud. People are having a good time. But Uh, a younger woman sat down. She didn't really have a question. I think she just kind of asked, like, just tell me whatever comes up. And, you know, I was looking at her cards and, and for some reason, you know, there were these, just the way I think there was, the moon was in there and the three of cups. And I can't remember the other card, but there was something that's so strongly, made me want to speak about her grandmother and, um, and to tell her that her grandmother worked with her as a guide in her life. And, and the, the cards were kind of giving me again, like just these, these hints, things to, to talk about in terms of the signs and the synchronicities that this girl could look for within her life. And so, you know, and, and, I was telling her this, but I was like, does this make sense to you? Because it didn't, you know, again, it didn't make sense to me. And I think sometimes people think that when we're reading, we know why we're saying what we're saying, right? And we don't. We're just, me- you know, we're just uh, messengers I and mean, we're channeling this information. And and she, you know, she said that she had thought about these things so often. You know, she had a practice where she was connecting uh, with her grandmother on a regular basis. And so, you know, I started to think, like, huh, okay, this, uh-huh. you know, we're, we're on to something here, but it wasn't necessarily the expected thing, again, it it takes a bit of, you know, sometimes you have to take that leap of faith and say, I don't know why this is here, but this is what I'm getting. Let me know if this makes sense to you. And sometimes you just have to kind of trust that, that instinctive level. But I find that, again, those are the, the moments that tend to be the anomalies in tarot, right? So everyone wants those magical readings, but it's not always what you're going to get, but it doesn't mean that tarot isn't working for you just because it's not always, always, super magical.
0: Well, thank you for indulging that question. I actually, I want to ask you a couple things about being a reader specifically for people who are looking to get into that career or who are in that career. But first, I have a question from Twitter from Sun Opposite. Moon, a very entertaining tweeter, friend of mine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, she said, this is a nerdy question about the cover art. It totally has this seventies vibe, which I love. Where did you get the inspiration for it? And I will second that the first, the split second, I saw your book cover. I was like, Oh my God, I love the groovy seventies vibe.
1: Yeah. Right. I love it too. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I love, I love vintage. I love, uh, I love, you know, things, it, doesn't this always happen? We always love things from other decades, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I've, I've always been a big fan of, of vintage clothing and I love going to thrift stores and things. And I love old occult books and, and I have a bunch of them in my collection. And so that was really the aesthetic that I wanted to go for was that, you know, even though it's, I think, a very modern tarot book, it's, you know, I wanted it to kind of have this throwback feel uh, to the cover because it's also, again, it's not really, you know, you look at this cover, you don't see tarot cards on the cover of it. Um, and and the, the book really isn't about tarot cards, right? It is about tarot more as a practice and a mindset. Uh, and so I also wanted to distinguish that a little bit with Something that looked a little bit different than mm-hmm. the typical tarot books out there. Yeah.
0: It's I have a strange thing about the older books like that have retro covers and things like that, or really, really old books like a hundred years old. Somehow in my mind I've convinced myself there's some wisdom in here, some lost wisdom that we don't have anymore. There's like some strange thrill. I think movies did this to my brain. <laughs> but I like that you're tapping into that aesthetic because it's one I love love the second part of her question is about the content of the book and she says who is your biggest tarot inspiration in terms of teachers or readers ah Oh, my gosh. It would be
1: hard to pick just one. I think my, you know, with everything I do, I always have really disparate influences um, and people, you know, from all walks of life can kind of come into any practice that I have, whether it's tarot or writing poetry or anything else. You know, one one person who's a teacher and a tarot reader uh, is Camelia Elias from Europe, and, and she teaches a lot of tarot de Marseille. She teaches also Leonard and uh, and in playing cards hard Reading and you know and and some techniques I think that are, are perhaps not as as common or as popular in North America, um, or that haven't been as popular over the last few decades, but are, are seeing a bit of a resurgence. And her, you know, her style of teaching and the way she writes about tarot and the way she writes about divination is really powerful because. It does have a a sense of practicality to it, but it's also very poetic. And um, she, you know, there's there's a something really inspiring to her delivery because she does make you think, right? Which is 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 also what what I like. You know, I like it when people make us think. I like it when they shake us up a little bit, and they're not just handing us these pat answers and saying this is how it is, this is what you should do. So so she's certainly one. But when I was you know when I was starting to learn tarot. I, I really liked a book by uh, Joan Bunning, which I think was just called Learning the Tarot. And that was kind of my go-to guidebook for a long time. I was also really into Angelus Arian, who wrote the Tarot Handbook. And and she had written a lot about the Thoth deck, but had really taken it to a different level. It was uh, a, bit more, a bit more psychological, a bit more emotional. So she had taken this, you know, sometimes very... Mm, dense cerebral tarot deck that can be challenging to connect with and had really, um, added some, some different layers and nuances to it. Uh, and I just really liked her writing, you know, and her approach to things. Yeah, uh, it was a very, very human, human approach, which I like.
0: Mm-hmm. What you said about poetry, I didn't know you write poetry, which I completely appreciate, but also I just made the connection in my head between tarot and poetry. It's visual poetry. Poetry, and when I think about like a poetry class and how people will argue until they're blue in the face about what something means, (laughs) like Uh, that's like at the heart of every poetry class is like, what does this mean? And and other people coming up with completely different interpretations than you might come up with. It's so tarot, it's so very tarot.
1: Absolutely, and the same thing happens in astrology as well, which is also an art form, right? Um, and and all of these things, really. Yeah, you're right. That's it's a very strong parallel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But there's one of my favorite poets, uh, C. A. Conrad. He, see, Conrad will do a lot of very uh, kind of occult oriented or occult inspired poems. You know, uh, they create a lot of rituals to inspire their poetry, but you know, also you know, there's there's inspiration too from from other esoteric practices like tarot as well. So you know, so people do cross these things over too, and and again, yeah, it makes. Make something new, right? I think intuition and creativity are very, very much connected.
0: Sorry. Why do you recommend new readers start with the writer, Wait Smith, or one of the other classics when they're looking for their first deck? And FYI, I totally appreciate that you wrote writer, Wait Smith, because Pamela Coleman Smith deserves to get some credit here. <laughs>
1: totally. Yeah. I mean, so I don't, I know that some people won't agree with me on this. And that's okay, right? We don't all have to agree. But I I have, a, a, I think, a practical reason for it, which is that I really recommend starting with decks that depict people in really clear ways. And the reason is that there's more to reading tarot than just memorizing the card meanings. And it's also, you know, you're actually card reading, right? You're not tarot feeling. You're not tarot thinking. You need to look at what the images are doing. And the Rider-Waite-Smith gives us these really clear uh, clear depictions of people who are moving, right? They're holding things, they're walking away, they're looking in different directions. All of the body language that we see within the Rider-Waite-Smith will help to tell a story. They'll help you find actions um, that will give you language around your readings. When, you know, when we start with tarot decks that perhaps are very beautiful, right, but use a lot of, you know, geometric imagery and there aren't a lot of people, maybe there's really soft colors, but it's it may be hard to discern which card is which sometimes it can be a lot harder to really figure out what is this card showing me right now. So if you start with a deck that is right away smith based um, then you may uh, you may find that it's easier to read because there is an actual process to reading the cards
0: nice i like too about that that so many decks are based on that system that once you learn and familiarize yourself with it, you can start to branch out and still have yeah. a general sense of what the deck means as a whole and what the different cards are. Even when things start to get more abstract, you have that foundation. Oh, totally, and and also, you know, also you, you get used
1: to, to actually seeing things, right. You're teaching yourself to read patterns and you may find that some of the decks that yes, have very beautiful artwork. You may find that you look at them and and you develop a different, uh, a different set of criteria for what you need in a deck, right. You can appreciate its artwork, but you may not be able to connect with it in the way that you need to, because it may not actually do the things you need it to do as a reader. Yeah.
0: One of my favorite little tidbits that I picked up from your book is what you said about if a queen or a king shows up in a reading upside down, that they would be mm-hmm. falling out of their thrones. And I I love that. I love visual clues that like launch you into a story that way. So I will never forget that, Liz Worth. Uh, I will always remember well, that from sure. you. I, it just, wait, I love when a moment like clicks and my head like that, like, Oh, and I don't even read reversals just to, just to say, (laughs) and, um, you were talking about reversals and saying, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, but that in the writing of this book, you were going through a, I don't phase, you're not reading reversals. Is that still true? Not that the book is written and published.
1: Yeah, that's still true. Yeah. And I just make that distinction because, you know, I, I think that we all go through phases with our tarot practices and, and, and I really encourage people to experiment with those things. But I also say, you know, don't feel like you have to do it all at once, right? There's no rule that says you have to read reversals. There's also no rule that says reversals have any significance. Again, this comes back to discernment sometimes. You know, are the cards upside down because you dropped half of them when you were shuffling? If so, that may not have much meaning, right? <laughs> um, So, you know, so paying attention to those things as well, but being consistent in how we're using the techniques that we're using and recognizing that these are just techniques, right? There are choices we can make, but I think learning reversals at some point in your practice, when you feel confident enough and when you're, you know, you're ready to add something new into the mix to challenge yourself more by all means, give it a try, right? I I found that when I was reading reversals, they made a lot of sense for the types of clients I was seeing and the types of of readings I was getting. And then when I transitioned, I realized, you know, I just don't feel like they have to be in my practice anymore. And, and I think that, um, you know, we can get ourselves to a point where, you know, the cards tell us all they need when they're upright, but does it mean that I may not go to back to reversals? I don't know. You know, you just never know. You have to be open and, and flexible with these things too. Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like I kind of let Left people hanging a little bit with that, too. So what would what would it mean if the king or queen were falling out of his or her throne?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, this brings us back a bit to to, you know, why why do we use cards with people? Right. Or why are Rider Waite Smith style decks decent to start with? Right. And and again, we see these really clear depictions of people in various stages of work, emotions and and power right with all of those court cards we see people who are in thrones in our court cards right and and again not all tarot decks have those images it really depends on the artist's rendering of these things and so it can be helpful to start with Rider-Waite Smith just to get a sense of of what is all this working from and so you know if you were reading reversals and yeah, and you had one court card, right? And and it was a king and he was upside down, right? Well, what would be happening if his chair was actually flipped over, right? He wouldn't be in that seat of power anymore. So depending on what you're reading on that, that may be a very telling message to pick up on. But if you had, uh, you know, a tarot deck that perhaps had, uh, had a king depicted as, I don't know, a planet or something instead, you know, we can do all kinds of things with our tarot artwork, but would that give you the same kind of message maybe not right so we really have to be mindful of where those things are coming from so that's a great example to bring up around not only how reversals can work but you know why it's important to really think about what kind of art we're, we're looking at when we're using tarot
0: yeah okay so I have one last final question for you but before we get to that how do people find you
1: Yeah. Lizworth.com is always the place to go. Really easy to remember.
0: Lizworth. It's spelled how it sounds.
1: You got it. Worth, just like the word W-O-R-T-H. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I always end with the same question. And since we haven't spoken in a while, I imagine your answer would be quite different than it was the first time. So what is one tip that you have to share about creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? Ah, okay, one
1: tip. Okay. So this is my thing right now. I'm really into intention setting in the morning. So before I sit down at my computer, before I check my phone, before I do anything else, I think about what are the things that I need to do today. And it's a really great way to check in with yourself to see what is also feeling most important for you, right? So this is before anything else is distracting you or pulling away your attention, right? And set those intentions and just say, I intend to list it off to yourself. And then that's the first, thing you've done that day. So you've made promises to yourself that these are the things you're going to focus on. And these are the things you're going to follow through on. And that will really help you stay on track throughout the day. Because as soon as you find yourself deviating from those intentions, you realize you're breaking a promise to yourself. Mm. Right, So it'll keep you coming back to the things that you've set into motion from the very beginning of your day.
0: That's one of the most powerful ways to build confidence and faith and trust in yourself, too, is to keep your promises to yourself. And you can you can build and build and build on that over time. So I love your answer. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. This is so fun. Yahoo. So that's that. My editing masterpiece now that i i heard little pieces of it back just now i'm very happy with how this day went i hung in there i persevered and i think it turned out okay it turned out all right and liz is awesome please go check out the power of tarot and i hope that you are having an awesome summer of magic so far thank you so much to those of you who wrote to me to say that you liked the last episode here 10 tips for rocking the summer of magic it was really funny and fun to read your comments and some of you actually had some awesome tips to share with me so that was cool And I also want to say that the Summer of Magic Super Bundle and the Summer Queen Package, they are now over. Over. I sent out plenty of last call emails and that was just a little short special that I was running to launch us into the Summer of Magic. But you can still get any of the items in those bundles a la carte anytime you feel like it. And I might have some other specials coming up because I want to make the summer of magic as magical as I possibly can. And keeping in that spirit, it is time now to share with you more music from our Our Summer of Magic musical sponsor. Yeah, yeah, we have one of those. It's Johanna Warren's Spirit House Records, and I dug through the... There's so many good artists on Spirit House Records, and I dug through all of that looking for a song that I thought really fit with today's show, And I found a song by Leah Thomas off her album, Want for Nothing. And it's called Timing. And the chorus repeats, timing is everything. Which I thought was so perfect. It really echoes what Liz was saying here about timing her magic. So here she is, Leah Thomas, with timing and... Once again, I hope you are enjoying the summer so far. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, shout out to you. I hope your winter of magic is going spectacularly well. And until we meet again, much love. Peace.